Want access to richer content and exclusive analysis on the business of sport? Sports Pro Plus is used by experts across the industry to make informed decisions, with two membership tiers offering access to original content, exclusive reports, and a suite of business intelligence tools. Become a member today at sportspromedia.com forward slash subscribe and use the code FCPOD10. That's FCPOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football in association with Soccer X. Connecting football for 25 years. Hello and welcome to the Football Co. Business Podcast. I'm Alex Manby and today I'll be talking to Peter Crouch, a man who as well as being a former England international and Premier League legend, is also an award-winning broadcaster, most of all via his incredibly popular That Peter Crouch podcast. More recently, he's returned to Dulwich Hamlet, a club he played for on loan from Tottenham as a 17-year-old and which, like many clubs in the Football League, are struggling to make ends meet following Covid. Now in the boardroom, Crouchy is trying to help reverse the fortunes of Dulwich Hamlet, a journey that can be seen soon on Discovery+. Plus. Peter, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, good to be here, mate. All good? This podcasting stuff must be second nature to you by now, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm, I, I'm glad someone else set it all up for me, I'll be honest, because uh, that's the stuff that I do struggle with. But yeah, I, I love it. I love doing the podcast. It's a load of... Loads of fun and um, it beats working for a living. Well, five successful series suggests that you're doing something right. Has the popularity surprised you? Yeah, I mean, you know, we started it to, I, I had a book to promote and I remember Tom Ford, I did the book with me and he was like, look, you know, this this would be a good thing to do. And I was like, okay, you know, it sounds okay. We started doing it and um, I thought no one will listen to this. You know, turns out people were and, you know, I, I sort of was quite open and honest because I, I probably thought not many people would listen and I think that sort of became what it was really just me being open and honest and sort of telling my experiences about the mad mad world that I sort of found myself in really and it was uh, it was a little bit like therapy sort of going through everything and and a lot of fun. It feels like it kind of hit a sweet spot of what football fans want it was funny it's entertaining but it was also real and insightful and behind the scenes and sort of breath of fresh air, I think. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what I wanted it to be, you know, and, and what it's become. Yeah, like me me sort of taking everyone sort of inside the dressing room and, you know, trying to experience what, what it was like for me and, you know, putting them, themselves in, in that position. But also, I think you can just tell that we we're having a few beers and a lot of fun. And I think people are sort of you know, enjoying that, but with with it being hopefully as insightful as well. I think it does. Look, this being the Football Co business podcast, we're going to sort of move things on and not talk too much about anecdotes about Harry Redknapp or misbehaving teammates and, and inside the dressing room. I want to talk to you about this new project you've got with Dulwich Hamlet. But first, I'm keen to understand a bit more about this route you've taken into media because it feels like things have gone pretty well, pretty swimmingly for you since you left, since you hung up your boots a couple of years ago. And I just wonder how much of that has been meticulously planned with a roadmap and how much has been opportunistically stumbled into taking opportunities as, as they've arrived. You know what, I, I, did have a, I did have a plan. Before I, I, I always felt, I always remember something Steve Stone said to me, believe it or not. He said, you know, as soon as you've retired, it's amazing how quickly people forget what you've done. So I, my plan was 
before I retired, I wanted to sort of put things into place. So I did my coaching badges while I was still at Stoke. It was sort of two routes that I could have gone, was you know, down the management coaching route or down the, the media kind of route. They were the the things I thought were the sort of most interest to me. So I did my coaching badges. I, you know, I completed it. I did, I, I got to UEFA A level. And at the same time, I did my book and I started the podcast, you know, while I was still playing, sort of, I felt that it was better to do that while you were still relevant, if you know what I mean, still in the Premier League. And those things sort of just took off. You know, the book did incredibly well and the and the podcast as well. And it, it sort of was then... You know, I decided to go down that route. I wanted to stay in football. So obviously I, I decided to sort of become a pundit, if you like. So I was around the live games, but the podcast obviously took off and, and various other sort of media bits and pieces came off the back of that. So yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I just fell into it because I did plan for me to do those things, but the success of them sort of then snowballed and, and, and I find myself here today. And who else was involved in that? Is that you on your own or have you got various people advising you and discussing paths that you might take post-career? No, do you know, do you know what um, What I found and I think the reason that uh, you know, things have gone reasonably well was because I think everyone can see that is genuinely coming from me, what I do. I don't have someone managing my social media. I find that really, you know, I don't want to follow someone's PR man do you know what I mean I, I want to follow the footballer if I'm following someone on Twitter I want to follow Cristiano Ronaldo I want to see what he's thinking what he does you know not his social media man that's why I don't follow a lot of top players because I'd rather listen to someone real you know so you know an actual person and I think you know that's why you know how I think people can see that for for me the decisions that I've made have, have come from me and at least then you know that if they go wrong, it's your it's your own fault and no one else's. Did you think about this while you were playing? You said you obviously started planning and you started a podcast while you were still playing. But during your whole career, were you aware of your image and your reputation and how people perceived you? No, I I, I don't think like I didn't ever think about my image. And like at, at first, I mean, I was certainly it was difficult for me, like image wise, because I looked so different as a young player. It was hard to sort of overcome. I mean, you know, pe- people would take the mick out of me before they'd even seen me play. So so that was difficult. But the person that I've sort of, I am now in the media, I think anyone who's played with me will tell you that's that's how I am. I haven't tried to be anyone different. I haven't tried to portray myself in any type of way. I've just been myself. And then, you know, if now people can see, you know, my, my personality in the media because I'm talking a hell of a lot more. But as a player... You know, we always tried to let our football do the talking and uh, and keep quiet. So, you know, people think now, you know, it's quite refreshing to see a footballer talking maybe a bit more honestly. But at time, you know, as a player, you have to be very guarded and you, you can't give too much away. You talk about your height, which clearly is sort of instantly recognisable and something that you know fans in in the ground might discuss or land on, or potentially opposition fans would give you grief about. It also coincided with the rise of the internet and social media and meme culture. It must have been very different from that point of view as well versus, I don't know, someone coming through in a previous generation. Yeah, like I always think that I'm 
so lucky in the fact that I, I had the best of both worlds. I think, you know, I, uh, thankfully social media wasn't around in the, in the early days of my career because I'll be honest, I, I'm sure I would have been ridiculed. I was ridiculed on the terraces as an 18, 19, 20-year-old uh, and I found that really tough. If I had the pressures of social media as well, that mean you know it would have been really, really difficult for me. So I, I, I feel sorry for these kids coming through now because there's, there's so many different types of pressure. But I had, I had the best of both worlds. You know, the professionalism that you see today you know the the training grounds the facilities everything now is is top class but i also had the other side of it which was a lot more fun which was maybe not quite as professional as it is today but a lot of fun so i felt like i lived through the generation really of you know 20 years sort of career where i saw you know it go from from one thing to another and it, you know, i'm glad i lived through that sort of change it feels like both players and their clubs are so aware of their brand from an early time now you know you were coming through 20 years ago and nowadays it feels like every player must just be aware of public perception of them and you have things like social media or necessity of being on social media written into contracts by the clubs and then obviously brands will want to get involved in that so you worried that for young players it's a distraction and that's even without thinking about the, the cyber bullying and the abuse that they receive it's yeah i mean it is it is so difficult as well i mean i think Hundred percent players are more aware of their of their brands, if you like, um, w- without doubt. Because I mean, this we, we've seen it used for, for for good recently, and we've used you know we've seen it where it's not great because there's there's two sides to it. Obviously, the, the, you know the power of good that it's done has been incredible, but also you know there's there's the other the, the other side of it where um, it is being managed, and I think you know sometimes fans may be get, be getting manipulated in some way because these players aren't speaking for themselves and that does that does frustrate me and worry me i mean the tagline of my podcast is back stronger because that that all derives from the fact that we see the same things on a saturday you know when the when the players haven't played well or something a tweet will come out and it was always the fans were terrific sorry we couldn't perform today back stronger next week they're the same three sort of phrases that are getting churned out and I think sometimes it pulls the, the wall over the fans' eyes because I remember being a player and I was, I'd see that exact tweet and I'd think this player hasn't tried for the last three months, you know. This player won't be working hard in training, he won't be doing extra work, you know, he's he's the first to, to get off. And then you'll see him on, the, on, on Instagram running up his stairs and, you know, do, having a personal trainer in his gym at home. I just think that kind of thing you know, pulling the wall over the fans' eyes and then perhaps on a Saturday, you know, I've, I've seen it firsthand. On a Saturday, the fans would be like, well, why is this player not playing? You know, look how much work he's putting in. And I, I, I can see that they're just, they're just fooling people. And um, it is frustrating. Is that about how fans perceive them and not getting abuse or wanting to remain a fan's favourite? Or is that the influence of clubs slightly mollycoddling their players and giving them guidelines and advice and do's and don'ts around what they do around social media? No, I don't, I, in all honesty, I don't think that, I don't think the f- clubs can control it anymore. Um, I think those types of things, I mean, I don't think the, the, the clubs would be too pleased about players promoting themselves, doing extra training on, the, on their own sites or their own, their own social media. It's out of their power. I think it's the, the agent and the PR of the, of the players now have, uh, have so much control. Do you think there's anyone out there doing it well? from the player's point of view and properly showing themselves their real self and interacting with fans because of it? 
Well, I just, I just always think you can tell, like who, who, who manages them, like which players are doing it themselves. And yeah, they might make the odd mistake, but at least you know it's, it's, it's genuine. You know, there are some players that I've played with that I think, God no, don't let them loose on their own social media, without a doubt. But there's also players that I've found to be really, really interesting that don't perhaps have a platform or, or don't promote themselves. And you know, those types of players. You, you want to hear, you want to, I mean, listen, I grew up in a, watching football when there's so many characters and that's what I want to see, you know, people like Gaza and, um, you know, the, the, the crazy gang, like absolute characters of the game, you know, that's what, that's what I want to see, I want to see personality, I don't, I don't particularly personally want to see something that's managed. So Peter, you've now swapped the pitch for the podcast, the Pundit Studio, and now you're in the Director's Lounge. Tell us about what you're up to with Dulwich Hamlet. Yeah, it's, it's it's really exciting. And it's something that I'm being, I'm around a team and I'm around something where it matters to win on a Saturday, where being part of, of something again and being part of a team situation has been, it's been like therapy for me really since retiring. And yeah, I'm seeing things that, that I never saw before, you know, as a player, you just, you just assume everything's done for you at boardroom level. You don't really take any interest in it, but, but me being sort of upstairs and, you know, certainly very different to Premier League level. Like we're, you know, I'm at the moment I'm trying to do things like get as a training ground to train on because we're training on the pitch. You know, we're trying to buy floodlights. Um, I'm trying to put on a few charity nights so we can do up the room upstairs so we can make this self-sustainable. I'm trying to get people through the door, trying to sell tickets to, to, to keep us in business really because if we don't get people through the door on a Saturday, then the club will have gone under and um, it's it's been a difficult task and all that as well. I, I want to help on the pitch as well because I feel like we've got a good side this year and it would be, uh, you know, we've got a chance of of promotion and I'm looking around and a lot of the, the people at the club are like, is it beneficial for us to get promoted? Which to me is, is crazy because there's so many hurdles if you do. That would be up from National League South into the National League, right? And there are certain regulations and rules that you have to comply with, right? Yeah, it's all the all the compliance and things. Obviously, the ground needs to improve. You know, you can't sell alcohol on a Saturday, which is probably 50% of the revenue for a club like Dulwich. There's certain things that you just wouldn't believe how difficult it is at a club at, at this level. And yeah, I mean, I, I took on this role and I wanted to make the, the club better. I was there as a, as a 17 year old and it's a club that really helped me. So any sort of impact I can have on the, on the club is, is going to be good. But um, yeah, all of it is going to be, uh, you'll be able to see. So you'll be able to see if I've done a good job or not. How did it come about? Why did you decide to get involved? Did you see the plight of the club? I've seen you talked about this potentially bleak future that they've got or did someone come to you and say, we think you could help us out here? No, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I was there, like I say, as a 17-year-old. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be totally honest with you. I went kicking and screaming from Tottenham. I was at Tottenham Hotspur and I was, I was sent on loan to the Ryman Premier League at the time. I, I, I didn't want to go, uh, but I went there and it was possibly one of the best things that I'd done. It gave, it gave me a real wake-up call. It was an eye-opener. It strengthened me as a player and it gave me sort of realise what it was to win games. You know, I'm playing the academy games and quite comfortable playing in what I thought were big games, North London derbies and things like that. Well, they're not, you know, they're, they're, it's youth team football. When you go down there and you see players with jobs and you're seeing you know, people trying to win games to 
to earn money, to, to provide for their for their families and have a job as well. You realise sort of like what it's about and what it means to win games. So it was a huge part of my development. And then obviously kept a close eye on them ever since really. And I remember they were, when developers tried to buy the ground and, you know, I was sort of involved from afar trying to save the club then when they they, they were going to lose their ground. And, and now is the chance for me to, to, to be involved at, more of a hands-on level really and um you know i jumped at the chance and you know hopefully can people can enjoy the documentary of course but first and foremost um dulwich come come out better than they were before i went in how much has the club changed since you went on loan it's it's 21 years it feels from my point of view and i'm very much an outsider just looking in that crowds are up it's got a real reputation there's a sort of buzz around it people go for football reasons but they also go for community reasons and social reasons and to take a stance having said that ticket sales are very important at lower league clubs and covid meant you know a year with no tickets so what is the state of the club right now well it's it's been a, it's been hard after covid i think people see the the, the, the attendances now which are amazing at this a club at this level we get 2000 people through the through the door it's phenomenal but that's the, that's the only source of revenue that the club get. And I think after COVID, they had so many so many problems having to try and finish the season without people through the door. And that's the only source of income. So, I mean, how you complete a season with no no income coming in whatsoever, apart from the odd comedy night. You know, I think the Euros was a huge thing because they managed to build something and have, sell a few beers and after COVID. But yeah, it's been, it's been left in a, in a really difficult place. And... My job now is to sort of make the club not rely on a on a on a Saturday selling tickets and selling beer. Try and make it a little bit more self sustainable as a as a as a business as well, and get it right on the pitch. Because if we get it right on the pitch, then I know I've talked about it being being difficult and you know having to navigate some problems if we do get promoted. But I think we have to we have to aim high. Otherwise, there's no point whatsoever. Are there things in that that only you can do? And by that, I mean, you know, you're a former professional footballer with a high profile. You're not the only former professional footballer or celebrity to be doing this sort of thing right now. I'm thinking about David Beckham into Miami, uh, Ronaldo at Valladolid, uh, obviously uh, Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McElhinney at Wrexham. What is it that you can do that they can't? I suppose it might be different. A club like into Miami with, with Beckham is in a very different position to yourself at Dulwich Hamlets but is there something that you can do that maybe traditionally directors wouldn't be able to achieve I think so I mean listen I've got uh you know people know I am you know I'm obviously trying to get people through the door I I think I've got a wealth of experience in football obviously as well I've always tried to help um, Gav and Cads the management team with regards to the team I'm there for the players as well you know you know some good young players that I've been involved with there you know if I can help them in any way you know, if I can be a link between the board, which is very much fans. I wouldn't say football people. I don't think they would ever class themselves as that. They love football, of course, but they're not from that kind of background. So for me to be the link between the management and the and the coaching staff, of course, like the thing is, it's like it's easy to come in and say this is a documentary and, you know, it be a circus. You know, the last thing that I want to do is, is, is for that to happen. I want to actually come in and do some good. I want, to, I want to come in and try and bring players in and I want to improve some of the players. I want to help the coaching staff. I want to find a training ground and try and get people through the door. So I'm quite passionate about trying to help Dulwich Hamlet first and foremost. And if that makes a good TV show, then great.
Dulwich are recognised as being this progressive club, very strong stance, both from the club and its fans, are anti-racist, anti-homophobic, pro-refugees, etc., etc. That's clearly a fundamental part of the club and it's a genuine moral position. How much importance do you place on that when you think about saving the club, the future of the club, both for attracting fans, we've talked about the importance of match day revenue, and also for marketing purposes? Yeah, I mean, the thing is with walking through the door at Dulwich, it feels different to any other club that I've been a part of. And that's something that they, you know, the chairman, the directors, you know, Ben, Tom, all the people connected to to Dulwich Hamlet, what you know, what they've done is, is make it a nice place for anyone to come and watch football. And that is commendable. For me personally, it's something I've been around football my whole life. I've been at football clubs and quite often they've not been nice places. Um, and when I say nice places, you just expect it to be, the terraces to be a pretty horrible place. You expect it to be quite ruthless. So when you walk through the door at Dulwich and you see people enjoying themselves, having a nice drink, families, different kinds of people from all walks of life, all coming together, watching a nice game of football. And then, you know, there's no, I've never seen any trouble there. It's very different. I'll be honest, to, to anything I've ever been used to in football, and I've been in it a long time. Do you think that it's going to become something that other people get involved in? Not necessarily Dulwich Hamlets, but I'm talking about former players, many of whom will have a link with their local club. Maybe they played for the youth team. Maybe they went on loan there. You talked about previously saying you did your coaching badges and then you went a media route. Traditionally, it was open a pub, but, but you know I don't think too many former players are doing that. Do you think this is a path that more players will tread in the future? Yeah, well, first, first and foremost, I'd, I'd, I'd love to open a pub. Maybe um, <laughs> I should have played. I should have played in the seventies and eighties, probably. But the fact that the Premier League is so sort of watched globally, players have quite luckily become household names, and it's become that the media side now is so big that there are jobs for, for footballers in the media. And I think we are, we are lucky with that regard that, you know, certainly I don't take it for granted at, at any stage that, you know, what I'm doing now is a lot of fun uh, and I'm involved in football still. And I think, yeah, I think for, you know, football seems to just be growing and growing all the time. So there will be, hopefully, jobs for, 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 for ex-players. How long do you think your involvement will last with Dulwich Hamlets? I mean, you clearly care about the club and you're clearly doing this not as a PR stunt or a vanity mission or just something for a documentary. But do you think this is a short-term rescue mission, parachute in, do everything you can, or do you think it's a long-term consolidation play? No, I think, it, I th- obviously, I'd like it to be a long-term. We've discussed the fact that, you know, with the with the chairman directors that you know it would be a longer term thing. I'm always going to go and watch them without a doubt. Now, I mean, I've got I've got uh, I'm sort of I'm in, and I'd like to help for as long as possible. You know, and uh, I think this year will be you know it's been a test so far. There's been ups, there's been downs. I'll tell you that. Tell you that now. And we're halfway through it, but yeah, I mean, my connection will will always be there with Dulwich now. Well, I can't wait to follow your fortunes and see how it all pans out. Can you tell us a little bit more about when and where we'll be able to see it? Yeah, it's called Peter Grouch, Save Our Beautiful Game. And it's out on Discovery Plus, I think, towards the end of December. So uh, looking forward to the first episodes because I've not seen it myself yet. But uh, it's been a lot of fun making it. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to tune in. Peter, thank you very much for your time. Thanks. And thank you, listener, for listening in. 
If you want to hear more episodes like this, analysing different areas of the business of football, please make sure you're following us wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. If you liked this one, the episode will be available on footballcode.com and check out the show archives for more of the same. Goodbye. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football in association with Soccer X. Connecting football for 25 years.